Check, check. Sound good? Okay. Today we're continuing this series of sermons entitled Sinning Like a Christian, The Seven Deadly Sins and Living Well Together. Remember the metaphor for this series, that big old tree with lots of leaves and branches all representing the different ways that people hurt one another, the sins that we commit, all being held up by seven big limbs representing the seven deadly sins. Remember the seven deadly sins? Got pride, anger, greed, gluttony, lust, envy, and sloth. All seven of these limbs are held up by a big old trunk. And that represents idolatry because the seven deadly sins are simply expressions of the root of all sin, idolatry, which has to do with, with pushing God off of the altar of our heart and replacing God with something else in our lives. So, so far, we've talked about pride. It's the biggest of the limbs. We've talked about envy, the meanest of the limbs. We've talked about anger, which is the most fun of the limbs. We've talked about sloth, which is the most misunderstood of the sins. And today we're going to talk about gluttony, which I will call the sweetest of the sins. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord our God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We have a great staff here at Desert Spring. They work very hard, and sometimes we have to produce a whole lot of work, and we have to produce it quickly. With deadlines upon us, there are times where, well, we make some little mistakes. Like, for instance, typos in the worship bulletin. One of my favorite typos ever goes back a ways to when we first started introducing gluten-free bread for communion. We decided to put an announcement in the bulletin saying gluten-free bread was now available, was now available for communion. But we misspelled gluten. And so instead it said, glutton-free bread, now available for communion. I love that, glutton-free bread. That would have been a good message to put in the worship bulletin for the church of Corinth. Remember, Paul wrote his first letter, 1 Corinthians, to a church that had a lot of problems. And one of his problems was the sin of gluttony. The congregation would gather in the home of somebody for communion, and that was great. And they would have a whole meal as a part of their celebration of the sacrament. And that was great. The problem was that the rich folks stayed inside and the poor folks had to stay outside. And the rich folks would get first dibs the food. They'd eat it all and there'd be nothing left for those who were waiting outside. The sin of gluttony. Now, what comes to your mind when you think about the sin of gluttony? Overeating? Excess, up until a few days ago, maybe what would come to your mind is going down to one of the buffets at the casino or a good church potluck where everything looks delicious and you just decide you need to try a little bit of everything and you end up paying the price. I mean, we all have our moments. I remember a time a few years back when I had to go to Phoenix for a meeting. I was Heading down to Phoenix very early in the morning, I had a cup of coffee and a muffin at the airport at 5 o'clock in the morning. Arrived in Phoenix, whisked away for the meeting. The meeting was underway. 
We took a lunch break, but the host had not prepared food considering my dietary needs, so there was nothing I could eat. And that was fine. I'm accustomed to not eating lunch. The meeting got over. I went back to the airport. Now it's 3.30 in the afternoon, 10 and a half hours after that muffin, and the muffin being the only thing I'd eaten since dinner the night before, and I was hungry. There was about an hour uh, before my airplane was due to take off, and so I had time to grab something to eat. And this was before I found out about my, some of my food allergies, so I could eat more things than I can now. There was a Mexican food restaurant right by our gate. And I went up to the counter thinking, I'll just order a little something to eat. So I looked at the menu. Hmm, I think I'll have a bean burrito with chips and salsa. And those sweet corn tamales look good. I'll have two of those as well. Now, I'd already gone by Starbucks and bought a cup of coffee and a pastry. And when the food came, I, I laid it all out on, on a table and started opening it up. And I discovered that the bean burrow was, was much bigger than I thought it would be. It was a whole meal by itself. And the sweet corn tamales were bigger than I thought they would be as well. And then there was the two orders of chips with salsa that came with each of those meals and my pastry and my cup of coffee all covering the table. And about the time I'm ready to take my first bite, I hear somebody shout out, Reverend Devereaux, Reverend Devereaux. Now this is in the airport in Phoenix. But I look up and I recognize someone that I know from one of the churches here in Las Vegas. He came up to me and he shook my hand, Reverend Devereaux. And then he said, as he looked at the table, are you expecting someone? <laughs> what, what was I supposed to say? I mean, we've all had our moments. But the sin of gluttony isn't about a moment. It is about a practice that becomes a part of our lives. Something that we live over and over again. The word gluttony literally means to gulp down. To gulp down. And it has to do with consuming more than is good for us. And of course, food isn't the only thing that we can consume too much of. We can consume too much drink. We can consume too much television binge watching. We can consume too much screen time on our phones or on our computers. We can consume too much by purchasing more than we ought. There's lots of ways that we can consume too much. And, and gluttony is about consuming too much. And the result of that is that what would be intended to be good starts losing its sense of enjoyment. Now, maybe you've had that experience where you overdo it or on something and it loses its enjoyment. I remember back when I was 20 years old, I was living, um, living with my best friend, Andy. And back then, I could eat anything, and I did. We ate a lot. And there was a fast food restaurant close by to where we were living that had a special on, six hamburgers for a dollar. And they, that was cheap even back in those days. So we decided to go down and partake. I can remember stepping up to the counter, and the young girl who was on the other side of the counter looked at us, and she said, so would you like six hamburgers? We shook our head no. She said, 12? Shook her head no. Well, how many then? And I said, 24. 12 for him and 12 for me. Now, these were six for a dollar hamburgers, so they were barely enjoyable to begin with, but about after number eight or number nine, they weren't enjoyable at all. And after number 12, I mean, you get the idea. When we overconsume, things can lose their enjoyment. 
And maybe you've had that experience. Maybe you can remember a, a Thanksgiving meal and paying the price. But now I want to be clear. Gluttony is not just about eating. And gluttony is not the same as obesity. People can be overweight for lots of reasons, and a person is overweight, their problem may not be gluttony at all. Similarly, someone can be thin and still be dealing with the sin of gluttony because gluttony has to do with, with doing things in excess, consuming more than is good for us. It's binge watching TV. It's ordering too much online. It is eating too much or drinking too much, too much screen time. You get the idea. But the way that gluttony works in our minds is it starts to kind of get hold of our minds. And, and little by little, we find ourselves starting to think about those things that are appealing to us. We start thinking about when we'll get our next drink or when we'll take our next bite, what we're going to eat next or what we're going to purchase next or what we're going to watch next. And little by little, we start organizing our lives around these different things as gluttony starts getting a hold of us and starts taking control of our lives. Gluttony. Now, the Bible tells a number of stories that, while not talking specifically about gluttony, helps us to see what gluttony can do. Remember the story of Adam and Eve? God said they could eat anything they wanted in the garden except for the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. They couldn't eat that. And so what's the one thing that they did? They ate the forbidden fruit. And I know that this story is primarily about pride, but don't miss the subtlety of it. They were willing, they were willing to lose the garden over a bite of fruit. What is it that we're willing to give up for just one more bite or one more drink? or one more purchase. Then there's a story of Jacob and Esau. And Esau loved to eat. In fact, he lived to eat. And his brother Jacob knew that. And Jacob was pretty cunning. And so one day he's cooked up a pot of stew that he knew his brother would want. And indeed, his brother wanted it. So he told his brother, give me some of that stew. And Jacob said to him, I'll give you the stew if you give me your birthright. And Esau did it. He sold himself out for a pot of stew. And then there's a story of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. They've escaped captivity in Egypt, and they're headed toward the promised land, and God is providing for them. Remember manna in the desert? God's providing for them. They couldn't be gluttonous on it. You couldn't store it, just eat what you could gather. But, but there came a point where they became dissatisfied, and they started complaining to Moses, and they told Moses that they wanted to go back to Egypt. And do you remember why they wanted to go back to Egypt? They said, because in Egypt, we could eat cucumbers and leeks and melons. They were willing to sell themselves into slavery for a melon. Our appetites can take control of our lives. Let me say that again. Our appetites can take control of our lives and do so at great expense to us as it as we end up sacrificing something of ourselves, maybe even something of our family. Our appetites can take control of our lives, which makes the sin of gluttony a deadly sin. 
one of the seven deadly sins, because it's a matter of life and death. Gluttony is about living to consume instead of consuming to live. And the difference is huge. And so too is the experience that we'll have in our lives when it comes to enjoyment and the like. Gluttony has to do with us pushing God off of the altar of our heart and allowing something else to reside there, which is the connection gluttony has with the trunk of the tree, idolatry. And we know what happens when we push God off of the altar of our lives and replace God with something else. Whatever it is that we put there, maybe it'll give us some satisfaction for a moment's time, but it will not solve our biggest problem because our biggest problem, our biggest problem is that God is not on the altar of our heart. We might push God off for lots of reasons. Maybe we're pushing God off because of fear. We're afraid that there will not be enough, and so we get as much as we can. We've seen that played out over and over again over these past couple of weeks. Or, or maybe it has to do with self-esteem and a feeling of not being uh, worthy. And so we soothe our pain with something. There's a reason why we call some foods comfort foods. Or maybe it's simply a lack of trust in God, that we don't trust that God is really with us, that God really is involved in our lives, that God is really trustworthy. Jesus once said, why do you worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear? God knows what you need. Trust in God. Jesus also said, I am the bread of life, he said. Feast on me and you will never hunger again. And he said that I am living water. Drink from my well and you will never thirst again. When Jesus is put on the altar of our heart, we come to understand that our lives have meaning and purpose. We come to understand that we have nothing to fear. We come to understand that God can be trusted. So if gluttony is what ails us, what is the antidote? How about this for an antidote? A good dose of self-control, which is kind of ironic, really, because self-control is kind of the problem of, of gluttony. In Galatians chapter 5, St. Paul tells us that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that God wants for our lives, something that God wants to grow up within us, to give to us. But we know how God works in this world. God does, just doesn't zap us and tell us, okay, now you have self-control. That's not how God works. God works within the covenant, meeting us in the midst of, of our commitment to make changes to our lives. Two spiritual practices that are very helpful that we can engage in that gives God something to work with to help grow our self-control. Two spiritual practices. One of them is confession. Confess to God that you've pushed God off of the altar of your heart and replaced God with something else. But don't just confess to God. Tell another person, somebody you trust, somebody that you know cares about you, that is concerned about your well-being, somebody that you know will hold you accountable and will care about 
how things go for you. Somebody that you know is going to be helpful. Gluttony is a sin that breaks community apart. We don't live so well together when, when people are living a gluttonous life. But community is what can heal the sin of gluttony as we invite people into our lives to help us through that time. A second spiritual practice is simply to pray regularly, daily, to pray that God will help you, to pray that God will reside on the altar of your heart and that God will forgive you for the times you've pushed God off, that God will help you face the temptations that you will face, that God will help you to understand the good gifts that God has given and what they're intended for. Pray, pray, holy God, holy God, I come before you humbly and ask for your help. Reside on the altar of my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Strengthen me to be able to face the day without giving in to temptations. Help me to understand the gifts that you've given me, that I use them in service to you. For, oh God, I want to serve you. I want to serve you. Amen and amen.